Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. So last week we talked about how Paul wrote a number of letters from prison. In the past few that we've looked at were written when he was under house arrest, unable to move around. Uh, eventually he got out. And the next few letters that we're going we're gonna to talk about and teach through are from the time when he got out of prison and was kind of reconnected to some of his churches. We don't actually even know the details of how his imprisonment ended. Maybe he stood before the emperor and the emperor said, get out of my, get out of my face, and he went about his business. We're not sure. But when he gets out, he uh, surveys the situation, and some of the churches are doing okay, but some of them are pretty rough. And there was one in particular that was on an island called Crete, uh, and it was in the Mediterranean Sea. And Crete was a place where even in the ancient world, it had a reputation for being rough. It was kind of a place where you wouldn't want to go to vacation there, but you might do a short-term mission trip, you know. Uh, they just kind of need help. And so Paul heard about the church, and he heard that they were struggling, and he realized he needed to send one of his best guys. And so he decided to send a guy named Titus. Uh, Titus had been with Paul for 20 years. And he was Paul's go-to guy for the difficult jobs. If, uh, if this were basketball, he's the one who the coach would tell to go guard the other team's best player. Or if it were football, he's the third down back. The one that you put in when you really need a few yards so that you can keep the drive going. Or if this were junior high, this would be your friend that you go send to the girl to find out if she likes you back. You know what I mean? So that was Titus for Paul. And uh, Paul sends Titus to Crete, and he really gives him a pretty simple job description. I want you to preach the gospel, and I want you to make an impact on everybody that you can in the name of Jesus so that people can come to know him. And he writes this letter called Titus to encourage Titus in this mission. And it's written to Titus, but it's supposed to be read in front of the church so that everybody actually overhears what Paul is saying. And there's some specific things in there. He talks about appointing some leaders and rebuking some false teachers and teaching people to follow Jesus in their, in their current stage of life, some of those kind of things. But really, pretty well consistently through the whole thing, it's basically believe in the gospel, embrace the grace of God so that you can be a person who influences everybody around you. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So lean in and listen as we do just that. Talk about surrendering to the change by influencing whoever and whatever is in front of you. Paul told Titus in Titus 2, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity. That's what I want to do now. That's what I try to live my life now. Unfortunately, that's not how it always was. Most of the story you heard, that's true. Most of it. It was true. I mean, even the singing part, that's true. That's true, I know. Hard hard to believe, but that's true. Over the years, I've coached football too many years now. I've kind of got that gravelly voice now. But but the one thing that I I have noticed... uh, is the thing that bothers me the most is the past that I have to deal with. I, see, I can't seem to get it out of my mind. I've asked for forgiveness. I've done all that. And I have been forgiven. I know that because God has forgiven me on that. But the one thing that I have to re- realize is, you know, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. 
but it takes one brief moment to destroy it all. And I did that. I did that. You're going to hear a story about me tonight that I would love to have taken to my grave. But in order for me to be an influence to you, I'm going to show you what not to do tonight. I'm going to show you where I made my mistakes. I'm going to show you that God is in control. I was at the worst part of my life. But he lifted me up and he took care of me. But before I get into talking about my darkest moment in my life, we're going to have to pray because I'm going to need all the help I can get. So let's bow our heads, please. Dear God, give me the strength to tell this part of my story. That God, get, please help the students see the mistakes I've made and help them stay on the path that you're leading them on. At no time do I want to glorify the mistakes that I've made. Lord, let me glorify you and the grace you showed me by never giving up on me and loving me when I did not deserve your love. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity tonight. As, as much as I'm dreading this, Lord, I know that's what we've got to do. In Jesus' name, amen. See, my whole life started, I mean, not my whole life, but when I started this whole trek, it started in high school. You know, I was the, the guy that I like to play all sports. The one thing that I did not deal with, my whole high school career or my whole high school time was a charade. Every morning I would put on my fake smile and I would go in and act like everything was going great. But it was absolutely awful. I absolutely hated high school. I hated my time there because of one thing. I was never accepted. If you've ever noticed me, you've always seen me. If somebody comes in new to our school or anything, man, I'm grabbing a hold, I'm latching on. Because that's what my brother and I did. We came into our high school and we came into our, a new place. And we were never accepted. I think it's my brother's fault. At least I blame him. If you look at him and you think right now, some of you guys know him and you look, there's no way that guy was an athlete. I'm telling you, that dude was an athlete. If you've ever seen, he's got a gut out to here right now. He does not look like an athlete. He was an athlete. Because as a matter of fact, at the school we moved into, it was really unheard of for sophomores to play, let alone start. That's what he did. He came in and started as a running back right off the bat. So immediately he was a show off. He was a hot dog. Nobody cared for him. He, he was hated. I like to also blame my father because my father was a principal because throughout my four years of school, I was never included in anything. If, if my friends wanted to go and found out so many times after the fact Behind my back, they were really running me down. The fact that I was, I was involved in everything, I thought I had friends. But I was never included in anything. At the end of a game, I would go home with my parents, and I would eat pizza with my parents, because I was never invited to any social or anything like that. I like to think that it was because I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do all those things. And I thought, that's, that's what I kept telling myself. It's because of that. But it was still that I was not accepted. The, the one that hit, the, hit home the most is, and this is why I really hate individual honors anymore, 
When I was a senior in high school, I really wanted so bad. I wanted so bad to be the MVP of the football team. I mean, I played my heart out. I did everything I could. At the end of my senior year, I'd set 13 school records from passing records, from individual games to career to it didn't matter. I owned that record from punting to kicking. It didn't matter. I owned that record. I was, I was on the, I was all conference four ways. First team, all conference four ways. I was a quarterback, free safety, punter, and kicker. And I was so pumped. I was so excited because I was going to get accepted finally. And when they read that name off for MVP, it was not my name because I was not accepted. That ripped my guts out. So I was the only one in my high school, only male in my high school to go on and play college athletics. So I went on, I went 500 miles away from my home to play college athletics. And right now, I've got to read something that we should have done, and I should have done, but I didn't do. It's again in Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. I've done that. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, this appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is very own age or his very own eager to do what is good. That's the way I was living. That's the way I was in high school. I wanted to do things right. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be accepted for who I was, but I wasn't. I don't know, maybe because I was the new guy. Maybe it was my dad was a principal. Maybe it was because my, my brother came in and was a hot dog right off the bat. I don't know, maybe it was all those things. I don't know what it was, but I know I missed it. I missed that opportunity. I didn't have it. So then we went to college. And you know what happens when you get 500 miles away and all those people that were keeping you grounded, they're not around you anymore. And you've, got, you've left high school knowing that, man, I want acceptance. I want somebody to accept me for what I am and who I am. Boy, I tell you what, there was a guy perched right on my shoulder, Satan. And he started in my ear right now. Because within the first month of college, within the first few days of college, they found out that I was a clean-cut, this is what they call me, clean-cut country boy from Illinois. That's what they call me. They made fun of me. And I thought, here we go again. Are you serious? They're going to make fun of me again? And Satan's on my shoulder, and he's going, are you going to let this happen again? Are you really going to let this all go happening again? Do you remember how much you hated not being accepted? So I remember one night this guy comes up to me as a captain of the football team. Because in Kansas at that time, the drinking age was 18. Here, I'd never even touched alcohol. I didn't even know what it tastes like. To this day, I still hate it. Even after my four-year spiral downward, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. The taste, the smell, all of it. But that was not what I, 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 I bit. Because he comes up to me and he says, hey, 
found out it was my birthday. I was going to turn 18. See, I went to college at 17. I was still a pup. And he goes, hey, why don't you come down to Hollywoods? I thought, I'm going to get accepted. Here, this is the captain of the football team, senior football players. They're talking to me. Here, I'm a lonely freshman, and they're talking to me. Hey, come on down to Hollywoods. I went to Hollywoods. Here, I thought they were accepting me. Little did I know that you get free pictures when it was your, when it was your birthday. They wanted that. They were, they were willing to sacrifice me being there, and that was okay, but they wanted what I was going to get. So I got those things. And that was the first night, the first night that I chose popularity over eternity. And I took that time right there because I was pursuing righteousness as I went through high school. I was pursuing righteousness. I knew the right and wrong. I knew it. But as I went through college, I went, I started, that night was the first night of it too because that was the first night that I got intoxicated. And they laughed at me. They thought, or they laughed with me is what I thought. And it was an opportunity. I thought, you know, hey, I'm getting accepted here. So I thought, if I do that, then maybe they'll accept me for who I am. But I wasn't that person. Satan dug his claws in so deep. He dug his claws in so deep, and he kept telling me the same things. Hey, look, you got to do this. That's the only way you're going to get accepted. That's the only way you're going to get accepted. I absolutely hated the taste of it, but I did it anyway because I was finally going to get accepted. Some influence. It was peer pressure. That's what got me where I was. Here I'd been pushing off peer pressure forever, and I didn't do it. I fought like crazy to stay away from buying into those things. But at the moment of my weakness, when I, I'm, I'm away from everybody, I'm not grounded, I'm not around my friends or my family. I can't call them my friends because I didn't have any friends. I moved to a place and I went 500 miles from home and I didn't have any friends there either. I finally met some later. And by the grace of God, I got dug out. But it's funny how God or how Satan drove that wedge. If it doesn't sound familiar to you, it's exactly what he did to Eve. Surely he's not going to say that to you. Surely he doesn't mean that he's going to kill you if you eat that. Surely you're not going to die. Surely not. Surely you can find somebody to like you if you just do this. And I bit the apple. I bit the apple. I was down. And I I was convinced that I had to keep that lifestyle up. So I kept selling my soul. I kept selling my soul. Because I'm telling you right now, in James it tells you to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I was not drawn near to God. As a matter of fact, I was backpedaling. It also says there to resist the devil. I was listening to that idiot. He was driving my life. It wasn't God who had driven my life for all those other years. It was that Satan driving me because I was finally getting accepted. I mean, I ended up being 
not only did I, it's, it's a whole lot like the story. You know, we heard Jason talk about that story about the wanderer and about how, you know, he moved to the city or outside the city. Pretty soon he's in the city. Pretty soon now he's a leader. Well, I was invited to go to Hollywood's. Then I became a bartender at Hollywood's. Then I became a bouncer at Hollywood's. I was Hollywood's. That's how I was. I was in. I didn't know how I was going to get out. I didn't care if I lived or died. I truly did not care. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of times I wanted to die. I wanted out because I didn't know where I was going. Now, none of you have ever seen this side of me because I've put it away. I put it on the back burner because I asked God to forgive me on this whole steal, hold the whole deal. I mean, it got to the point, one of my worst moments, I was going through a time where I was never in church. And I don't know that God was doing this to me on purpose. But my mom sure was bawling on the phone, crying, begging me to get back in church. Because I went through a span of, I, I'm playing softball and I slide into third base and a guy has steel spikes, he comes back, he stomps on my hand, rips open my finger. Have to have seven stitches to sew the tip of my finger back on. I pull the stitches out right before the first day of practice because that's how close it was to practice. Third practice, the first day of, of football practice, I get my knee taken out and I get partially torn ligaments in my knee. While I'm in this splint, this is all happening right away. While, while I'm in this splint, I go on this river trip with some of my friends. And while I'm on that, on that trip, I'm on the way back and we stopped off at another establishment. And then we come home from there or we're leaving from that place and we're on range line out here and we're getting ready to turn left onto 7th Street. I'm not driving. My buddy's driving. Of course, he'd been drinking. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat and we see this car coming. We're in a yellow. We think they're going to stop. He goes ahead and turns. They accelerate. They hit... I don't have a seatbelt on. I'm in a leg splint. I'm not very comfortable. And my head goes out and takes out a windshield. I should have been dead. I should have been dead. I don't know why I wasn't. I didn't care at that point. Kind of wished I was. But, but, the mercy God showed, because I deserved death, because I was away from God, the mercy he showed was amazing. Because mercy is not receiving what I deserve. I deserve death. I was sinning. I was terrible. I was awful. They made fun of me for being a virgin. I took that away. I took that. I took away the only gift, the gift that God gave me to give to my wife. I took it away because they teased me about it. And I wanted to be accepted because I, I, I gave up to peer pressure. The grace from God was amazing because in the midst of all this, when I didn't care about anything, God sent an angel. God sent an angel 
to save me. That angel was in the form of a five foot two blonde because there's absolutely no way. And her friends told her, there's no way you can go out with him. But I know it was God driven because on that first date when I asked her out, I sent her flowers. You know how many people, how many girls I've ever sent flowers to on a first date? One. I've never done that in my life before, but I did that time. You know the only reason she went out with me? I have to go out with him. He sent flowers is what she told her told him. I'd never done that in my life. But I sent her flowers. And I saw something special in her. And she was blind because she saw something in me. You know what my second date was? I asked her to go to church. Because that's where I wanted to get back to. Deep down in my soul, that's where I wanted to get back. Then on one of our dates, we're on a date, and she always liked to go dancing. So we went into this, into a place, and we went dancing. And of course, I ordered a drink thinking I'm cool and all this. And she goes, you know what? I don't like it when you do that. I said, done. You're going to accept me for who I am? I'm in. I'm done with that. God rescued me through my wife because I did not care about anything but that. Our God is so good. He never gives up. You know, yeah, I, and it says in Psalms 103.12, as far as from the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know why they chose east and west and not north and south? North, there's a north pole. Eventually there's gonna be a south. So there's east and west, you can go east and you can keep going east and it'll, it, you'll never stop. And that's the way God is with us. He's never gonna stop. He's always gonna pursue us. He's always gonna love us and he's always gonna be there. I've been forgiven by our Heavenly Father because I've asked for it. But I'm gonna tell you, it was a rough road. I had a rough road. And every time I see somebody from that four-year span, I have to apologize. Because we're talking about tonight about influence. Because I have to apologize. Because what if I've influenced them in some other way? Because I have asked for forgiveness from my Heavenly Father. And every time I see somebody from that time that knows me, I've asked for forgiveness. Please forgive me for what I did during four years. I am so sorry. That is not who I am. And I am sorry if I misled you. But there are two guys that I'll never get out of my mind. There's two of my buddies. One's named Joe Muldoon. And the other one is named Billy Munkus. You see, Joe was a freshman when I was a junior in college. And Joe would do anything we, we, we would do. I mean, he just worshipped us, worshipped us, because he just wanted to see and looked at us and said, that's what I want to be like. And that was in my terrible times. But see, here's the what if. What if I'd have been a better influence to Joe? Maybe he would have been different. 
Maybe when he died in that car crash after his freshman year, I don't know if he's in heaven or not. I didn't do my part to try to make sure he got there. I don't know. Billy Monkus, from my sophomore year to my senior year in college, Billy and I roomed together every trip we took. Every bus trip we took, we sat beside each other. Every opportunity in the world to lead him to Christ, I had it, but I didn't do it. I don't know, what if? What if I would have influenced him in a better way and he hadn't committed suicide when he got out of school? What if? I don't know. Those are in me. I got to deal with those. I can't apologize to those guys because I can be an influence and you can too because you can influence anybody around you positively or negatively. You can be an influence. That's your choice. Don't make the mistakes I made because they're not worth it. I promise you. As the band plays here, I, wanna, I want you to reflect on this. How are you going to beat them when, when you influence others? How are you going to do that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like me. You, 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 you're willing to give up your eternity for popularity. It's not worth it. I know. I know. It's not worth it. I tried it. I failed. I failed a lot of people. I promise you guys, there's nothing harder in your life than when you go to your wife and you have to apologize for the choices you made. And you beg for forgiveness before you're even married. That's hard. Because when she came to me, she said, the gift I give you is my purity. And I said, I don't have that to give you. I'm sorry. But I'm here to tell you, he is the only influence you'll ever need. God is the only one you'll ever need. He'll never forsake you and he'll never leave you. I don't care where you are in your walk. Maybe you need to go talk to your D group leader tonight. Maybe you need to talk to Adam. Maybe you need to go back there and pray about it. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now that you need to influence. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because I'll never get to influence Joe anymore. And I don't get to influence Billy anymore. They're gone. And I don't know. I don't know where they are. I'm going to try to look for them if I get, when I get up there. But I don't know if they're there or not. Because I didn't do anything to influence them. Make sure you take advantage of every opportunity you have to influence right here, right now. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.
www.thepowerofpowerpodcast.com.